to a pleasure podcast for more from our sex podcast collective visit pleasurepodcasts.com thanks for tuning in sluts and scholars is a sex positive shame-free educational podcast where we try to help you talk smart and fuck smarter while we love to give advice and resources please note that this podcast or any emails from us are not intended to be therapy or a replacement for therapy Hey, slutty scholars, here is a bonus episode to celebrate the first week of a new season. If you didn't know, I'm going to be hosting a retreat for partners at a private seaside ranch in Malibu, California at the end of September. This bonus episode features my two co-hosts of the retreat, former podcast guest Ashley Manta, the canisexual, and Lisa Rader, behavioral therapist. You can find all the details and tickets for the retreat at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. This retreat is designed for partners wishing to enhance pleasure in the bedroom and beyond, and it is specifically created for folks who are struggling to start or restart the conversation around sex, intimacy, and desire. No experience is required, just willingness for more. We know that most of us are not taught how to have great sex, but practice makes pleasure. Come join us to learn the skills to enhance pleasure and intimacy in your relationship. Only a small group of couples will be invited, so come secure your spot today at thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com or find details on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars. That's thepleasureconnection.eventbrite.com. Hope to see you there. Well, hi. I'm so excited for us to host this upcoming event, but uh, really we would, today we want to talk about kind of like why we wanted to start this event and sort of what is important about connection and how to get connected. Um, and remember, listeners, that this uh, season I'm doing a little bit differently, so I've got these like themed months going on. Uh, so this is part of our Back to Basics months, and today we are going to be talking about connection, both emotional, sexual, spiritual, and otherwise. Um, hi, Lisa and Ashley. Hi. Hi, honey. So starting it off with a broad question, I would love to talk about like how we define connection, all of us. Um, like what does connection mean? Because definitely during this pandemic, and we can talk more about that, I think I've been so full in my practice. I don't know about y'all, but just people like struggling to get connected to themselves, to get connected to others. Um, so how do you define connection, sexual, emotional, otherwise? Ashley, what do you think? My brain immediately goes to Brene Brown. So thinking a lot about feeling seen, the sense of belonging, um, feeling safe emotionally and sexually and all of the other ways that you can feel safe and really like deeply present with whoever you happen to be connected with. Yeah, I like that. I think for me, it's very much about like embodiment um and kind of listening to that like inner voice and so that's definitely something i've struggled with and tried to work on over the years is like getting connected and being in my body but i feel like if i'm not connected and in my body i'm not able to connect with others so i guess to me it's sort of that's like the root of it it like starts there to me i guess connection is not something that it's like i have or i don't have i feel like i go into moments of it um and sometimes those moments are more fleeting sometimes they're more lasting um I I find that if I'm like doing something physical in my body, whether that be like sex or self-pleasure um, or like riding my bike or taking a walk in nature, like if I'm doing something in my body, I feel like I'm able to feel more connected. Um, but there's so many moments that consciously or unconsciously, I think I want to disconnect. Um, and yeah, I think it's sometimes it just feels like 
the world and other things are too overwhelming. And so it feels safer in my nervous system to disconnect. Ashley, what do you, what about you? Are you feeling connected? I like you, I feel like connection really is a spectrum for me. And presently I would put myself in about the middle of the spectrum. There are things that I feel connected to my communities, both in like the sexuality professional side and in the cannabis community. I feel really connected with my friends and my family, but not having a partner right now, like I have lovers, but they all live far away. So not having a consistent partner for the first time in many, many years, like I'm feeling that disconnection from romantic partnership. And that feels Mm -hmm. like different, but good. Ultimately, I think it's going to give me a chance to learn how to connect with myself as my own primary partner, which is going to allow me to connect more deeply with future partners. Oh, yeah. How much of like feeling connected in general has to do with our romantic relationships? Do you guys think? I think in our society, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 There's like a lot of pressure on for that to be the most ideal way to be in connection. Right. Right. Yeah. Or how that connection is supposed to be acted out. I notice it's so funny that you say that, like that your partners are are in different places because I just kind of started seeing somebody and he's very like concerned about the fact that I'm moving around every couple months and what does that mean for our ability to connect? And I was like, wait, I don't, I don't understand. We're connecting right now. Like we're here right now. Why are we thinking about in a month when we aren't going to connect the way I'm doing the little like quotes in my fingers right now are supposed to be connecting. Attachment anxiety, baby. (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 we're just here right now. We're learning each other right now. So like what level of connection are you at? You know, like are like in respecting it, like not projecting as to what the connection needs to become in the future. Like right now we're just connecting one-on-one on a daily basis whether that's through phone or seeing each other in person or having sex and that, that is perfect in what it is in this moment. And then as the opportunity approaches to find a new source of connection, when I do leave or how that evolves, I think is what allows for growth. So if we don't kind of like put all these parameters around what connection is or is meant to be, I think it opens it up for us to have so many more, expansive opportunities with connection. I very much resonate with this lover friend or whoever they are to you Mm -hmm. um, person, because I feel like when I am feeling connected and if you're someone out there who's listening that like struggles with some attachment anxiety or, or fear of attachment or connection just in general, I think a lot of times people can have a low tolerance for connection because it's either been unsafe or it's been unsteady or it's been inconsistent or you're worried about losing that connection. It's really hard to be in connection in the moment, whether that be with friends, in community, romantically, sexually, because the whole time your mind and body is sort of thinking of, well, when am I going to lose this? Or like, when is it not going to be this way anymore? Or um, if I get too connected, is going to be painful. And so I think even when we have it, at least I'm speaking for myself, even when I have it, sometimes it's hard to like be in that and hold on to it. Totally. But what if we like reframed the fear? You know, we're saying when we lose this person, you know, like I like he said the same thing, like, oh, but you aren't going to be here and blah, blah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Then that's like all the extra time for you to golf and all this extra time for you. Like you aren't losing anything you're gaining something 
if you are in enjoyment with yourself in the connection to yourself. So if you have this great connection with somebody, a great connection with yourself, you're, you're kind of always winning. Yeah. Even when they well, go. <laughs> well, so that brings me to the wondering of like, how do we get connected to ourselves? Yeah. And I know we're going to be like featuring some of this at the retreat that we have coming up at the end of September. But like, how do we get connected to ourselves? Like, do you do either of you have any practices that you really like, whether it's even just in the moment or for long term? Like, how do you feel tethered to yourself and the world and connection? <laughs> I had to do a lot of work in somatic experiencing therapy to learn how to connect with myself because it turned out that even after 16 years as a sexuality professional, I was still really bad at being in my body and feeling my feelings. So oh, I hear that. <laughs> Shout out to somatic experiencing would recommend. Obviously, we're not your therapist, but like yeah. would recommend. Highly, for highly <laughs> recommend to literally everyone, especially if you've experienced trauma in your life which who hasn't at this point? Um, but one of the practices that I took from that, one is just like breathing, really mindful breath, which Lisa can speak to in depth because she is our breathing expert. Um, but another- <laughs> She knows how to breathe. She knows how to breathe. <laughs> uh, ne neither breather. of us are breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't breathe without her. But um, <laughs> another is just like going through as a progressive- meditation where you focus on your toes and you kind of wiggle them and you're like, these are my toes and then move up to your feet and you kind of, you know, flex and release right them. These are my feet and then roll your ankles. These are my ankles. And then you work your way up your calves, your knees, your thighs, your pelvis, you know, this is you, my pussy. This is my pussy. <laughs> Clench your PC muscles. And like, by the time I get to my head, I feel very relaxed and super, super connected with myself every single yes. time <laughs> you guys know that's my jam like i mean it's it's so so important like we we take breathing for granted and there's so much more that comes into it i mean the way you breathe works different meridian lines in your body and those aspects within the body where you know if pain is showing up that is a massive red flag. We've gotten to the point where you weren't listening to any of the other sides. You weren't using your breath that now the body has to show up in a physical way for you to take notice to it. And those mm -hmm. attached to emotional aspects. So when you start to work with whether, you, you know, you call it somatic experiencing, which breath work is a part of, where guided meditations, you know, there's so many different formats within somatic experiencing, but it it is, you know, as you guys are talking about, just completely a different awakening. I think for a long time, um, I felt I had to get out of my body to recognize what it was to get back into it. Like mm. I had a lot of experiences where I was working with kind of um, these really like heavy, airy, sort of out of the body meditations, really out of body experiences, leaving to go back to the source. And, and then I realized, no. I'm a human and the most important thing I could do for experiencing this, this life and, and what this is, is to be a part of that experience inside my body. And so then when I started to take that back down, it was, it, it's life changing. You're, you're a completely different person. It doesn't necessarily mean all the programming isn't there, but you're kind of like, oh, I have my body. My body doesn't run me anymore. I have a body. I'm gonna use it. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it's, I guess it's hard to get into your body when it's painful, right? And I think a lot of times, and look, I, I'm guilty of this too, but with clients, we really have to practice like getting connected into the body when things are like pleasant or neutral. So I think a lot of times people are very aware or can be aware or sometimes they dissociate when things are painful. And if one hasn't been practicing like that breath work or that checking in with the body when they're feeling pleasant and neutral, it's going to be really fucking hard to do it when you're like experiencing something difficult. And so I think for me, it starts with trying to really notice my body when things are pleasant, which can also be hard because for some people, pleasure and pleasantness is a trigger. Um, again, like I was saying, for folks who maybe don't feel like they deserve it, for people who are worried about it going away, um, for folks um, who maybe were in something abusive where pleasure was associated with something painful. And so I think starting with something small that's like pleasant and neutral um, and being able to like savor it for like a moment longer. Um, that's sort of been my my practice. And then once I practice that, I'm more able to do it when things are difficult. Um, but it has to start small for me and it has to start with stuff that's manageable. <laughs> Otherwise, like that practice ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, totally. I always say like, if you're sitting in a body of water, you're like drowning in the ocean, you're flailing your arms around and you're yelling for help and somebody yells at you, what temperature is the water? You know, like, you're like, no, that's I'm drowning, bitch. <laughs> right. I'm drowning. I can't explain to you what's happening to me until you know how to tread water. And that has yeah. to be done in calm, calm water. So it's, it's secondary. I like that metaphor. That's a really good one. <laughs> I mean, we're talking a lot about like solo connection. And I know we said that that's obviously important for relationships. But like, if we're talking about relationships, and this could be romantic or friendship or in community, um, what do you feel like is maybe the key to starting to translate this and integrate it into connecting with others? I think boundaries honestly, because when you're connected with yourself, you know what your boundaries are. And when you know what your boundaries oh. are, you know where you end and they begin. And so yes, you, oh, really... you gave me the chills. That's the, <laughs> that's the fucking ticket. <laughs> we'll be here all weekend, folks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, I mean, I want to hear you say more, but like, I'm, that's the ticket because I feel like something I say to my partnered clients or like couples all the time is you can't have a connection if you are one entity, right? <laughs> if you have sort of become so enmeshed that you're like just a we all the time, thinking of, I'm not really a science person, but thinking of like, what is it? Ions, atoms, whatever, things in the universe that have charges that can connect to each other. They can't do it if they're the same thing. So you have to have these boundaries of like, we are separate entities to actually be able to form a connection. Otherwise you're just one blob. Exactly. That's my science lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, say more, say more about boundaries though. And anything that's been helpful for you in like making a boundary between where you end and where someone begins. Cause that's, that's hard. Sometimes I want to crawl into someone's rib cage and live there. <laughs> it is hard. And and that's where that connection with self, like I said, really kind of is so key so that you're aware of your edges. But to be able to intentionally decide how you're connecting with someone and not just do it out of this like very comfortable routinized space where we do this because we've always done this and it's it's Thursday night and this is what we do on Thursday nights or I tell you I'm cold and you immediately go turn on the air conditioner. 
I didn't make a request. Like we're short circuiting real connection out of habituation. And I think that's where couples tend to get into trouble over time. And so kind of slowing back down and being like, wait, okay, I'm saying I'm cold and having the other person go, okay, are you making a request or is there something I can do to support you in your coldness? Or are you just letting me know your, your temperature right now? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's so huge. Like in order to be a part of a, we, you have to have the I in place. If you don't know what you want and how to communicate what you want and who you are, you can't even figure out what boundary you're meant to set. If you don't have your values in place, you don't have this ability to say, oh, this is who I am and this is what I want, whether that be, I'm cold. Could you go and turn that on for me? Or, I mean, if you hit it right on the head, like that was so perfect. Oh, I I loved what you said about the, that we're like, feigning connection as habituation and to me that comes from this place of like couples feeling like they know everything about each other um and that can feel sort of like a false sense of safety for folks because it's like oh i know how you're going to respond i know what you're going to do in this situation i know um what you want and what you need and that can feel yeah like a safety thing but sort of in the in the esther perel vein that that doesn't allow for like heat and connection and excitement and like sexual yeah, sexual newness um, and sexual connection in that way. And so there has to be some level of we don't know everything about each other. We have to stay curious. Any tips? And obviously we can we'll go into this more if you come to our retreat. But like any tips from either of you of like how to start getting out of that habituation and into real connection because yeah it is so freaking easy to just be like oh yes like you said it's a friday night uh where do you want to eat i don't know where do you want to eat i don't know where do you want to eat and then you pick a place and then you kind of eat but you don't really talk and then you're like oh let's pick a netflix what do you want to watch i don't know where do you watch that and i don't really let you know and then it's like you were together but it never feels at least for me those kinds of nights, sometimes they're nice and it's nice to just kind of check out and like veg, but I usually leave them feeling hungry for more connection. Totally. I think it's the way we ask questions of each other. I think it's, it's having sexy questions, like make all the questions sexy and joyful and comedic. Like, it's not like, where do you feel like eating? It's like, what, what crab legs do you want to seduce you tonight? You know, like just get weird <laughs> with it. Like have fun with your partner when you're asking these questions, which is exactly that it's taking, you might be doing the same thing. Cause to be honest, we all got to eat and we're going to want to eat together. But that first engagement I think is huge. And I was like, <laughs> what hole do you want to put that breadstick in? Do you wanna- <laughs> What hole do you want that bread to go? In? Which pasta do you want to fuck? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, we do the same things because they're familiar and they're creating a supportive sort of safety net, but it can't become habitual. Yeah. And that question, I think, is just like the first proponent of agency. Like, when you start to allow people to have like self agency and the self sovereignty of like, hey, I honor whoever you are in this moment. I want to ask you this question because I really want to know what it is for you in this present moment. Every day you might say, I want pasta. But if you're like, you know, I just don't know who you are today. And I'm super down with that. So I'm going to ask it again. 
Oh, Lisa, you nailed it. That's exactly where I was going. Like the importance of that playfulness and curiosity, but also recognizing that who you are today may be very different than who you were yesterday or a year ago, certainly for most of us two years ago. And to recognize that I may want something completely different. I go through like food moods. I go through show moods. Like who I am and what I want in this moment is going to be very different than your past data. So continually update your files. Don't just go based on who I was when you first got to know me and that kind of solidified in your brain as like, that's what she likes. Totally. Give your partner and yourself the space to become whatever it is. I mean, the possibilities are infinite. Yeah. I mean, I think this is sort of to me and I'm biased obviously as a therapist and and y'all might be too as like in the work that you do, but I feel like this is where maybe having some support or like an accountability space through therapy, through coaching can really be essential because if you haven't had the conversation with your partner of like, I really want to shift the way that we connect. And then all of a sudden you're like, what kind of crab legs make you feel sexy tonight? Your partner might think you like had a glitch in the matrix. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or they, or they feel scared or threatened if you sort of start approaching things like you haven't met them before and they're sort of like I already told you I liked this or like I already told you I like that's that's how I wanted the socks folded right so I think people can sort of respond a little bristly sometimes in those moments if there's not a stated shared goal that we both want to expand our connection if you're fine with like the habitualness of it great you know stay there that's fine um but if you're wanting to shift it I think it's important that you get on the same page because I don't know it's I think connection can be expanded when one person is working on that, but it's really hard if both parties aren't, in my opinion, like on board. Yeah, we we talk about, I mean, with a couple of my clients, we talk about like that transition period and the actual language to use around it. So like, even if you're the only one doing the work, because sometimes that's enough if you do have like a resistant partner that isn't Mm -hmm. ready to take that step. If you go and you say, hey, I want to try something new. Like, you know, this is what I've been working on. I I still think it's okay to approach it from like, if you're just the one who's who's taking that first step. But yeah, I completely agree. Um, There does have to be that little, that little conversation or acknowledgement, you know, even to acknowledge yourself is great. So Ashley, obviously, if you haven't heard her past episode as the can of sexual, definitely go back and check it out. Has her own podcast and other amazing things too. But Ashley is a sex and intimacy coach and um, Lisa is a behavioral therapist, but also does some amazing other healing modalities and retreats from breath work to, you know, yoga and all sorts of things. But I'd, I'd love to know from a little more, I guess, what you're seeing and like some common themes or threads in what is causing disconnection in partnerships? Are there some main things, maybe in addition or adding to this habituation piece? Like, what are you seeing? And, and especially maybe as a result of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, what is causing disconnection and what's getting in the way? What are some of the barriers? Some of the most car- common barriers that I'm seeing, some of the most frequent reasons that people come to me for coaching is desire discrepancy in the relationship. Oh, yes. <laughs> Typically in long-term monogamous relationships is where I see that as the biggest issue um, most frequently. And so a lot of what that looks like for me with clients is, you know, I have a cis heterosexual client couple who come to me and they're like, okay, this is very stereotypical, but I see it all the time. So, you know, it is what it is, even though I am often the higher desire partner in my own relationships. But in the ones who come to me, 
the male partner is the higher desire partner, the you know girlfriend, fiance, wife is the lower desire partner. And I start out with very much like, okay, tell me about the sex you don't want to be having, you know, the Peggy Klein plots question. And I hear described to me minimal lead up, you know, there's a little bit of making out, there's a little bit of kind of obligatory, maybe oral, maybe some hand play, and then pretty quickly to penetration. Penetration lasts about five minutes. As soon as he comes, he rolls off and like, it's done. that's the sex. And I'm like, you know, I love sex and I would not be super interested in that kind of sex either. So first things first, <laughs> let's take penetration off the table for 30 days. Zero penetration. That's just no longer an option. So, okay, from that place, let's get creative about how you want to connect. And let's talk about the ways that pleasure feels good in your body. And can have you ever masturbated in front of each other? That's a great way to learn like how you experience pleasure in a very self-focused way. So that's that's usually what I see with couples. It's needing to expand the definition of what constitutes sex so that they can really just explore for the purpose of pleasure and get a little bit more creative than, again, they're kind of typical, habituated, this is what we do because this is what we've always done and, and this is how you like to get off and this is the position that you like to be in. Let's Let's think outside the box. <laughs> Yeah. And Ashley and I are huge proponents of non-penetrative stuff like hand sex. And Ashley has an awesome class about that. And we're going to be doing that at the retreat too, teaching some, some, some tricks and tools for like how to create a larger menu than just penetration. Um, I find though that it, a lot of people get resistant to that for a variety of reasons, but, and this is definitely a stereotype, but I have seen it time and time again of especially cis, mostly straight men um, of sex being the only avenue that they've been taught that is appropriate for connection. And so when you take, especially penetration, when you take that off the table, it almost feels like their air and water has been deprived. So it's like, oh my gosh, what do I do without that? How do I feel good about myself? How do I feel connected to my partner? How do I express my love? How do I have a safe place for having emotions and desires? And it's it's wild and I'm not surprised because of how we talk about sex in our in our country, but it's like asking that is like asking you to stop breathing and not have any water. Like your your sur literal survival. Oh, they're furious with me. They're like, We I came to you because I want to be having sex more, <laughs> not less. I'm like <laughs> let's talk about You're your like, feelings. Where <laughs> one we build the foundation. Yeah. Anything else you see uh, as a big theme? Another big theme is really people talk past each other all the time. Mm. Half of my job is playing translator between two partners where one person feels like they are being so clear and so just like stating facts, just making very factual observations. And I'm like, do you hear that there's like accusation and condescension and criticism like woven through all of that? And they're like, I know I didn't they don't hear themselves. So they don't realize that it takes like a third party being like, Hey, when you said that, like, that sounds really accusatory and kind of demeaning. And I'm pretty sure that's not what your intention is. So like, can we talk about how you're delivering your thoughts? <laughs> what a nice way of saying it. <laughs> don't talk like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think another one of the big main barriers that I see to connection is um, one is shame. 
Um, and this is like permeated throughout everyone in some way, shape or form. So whether that be like shame of desires or shame of feeling like you don't deserve a certain amount of connection or pleasure or sh yeah, shame in what you're interested in, um, and just how that shame sort of brings people out of their body or into their fight or flight response or their shutdown freeze response, um, or just like they can't talk about the things, you know, they don't have the practice or the words to, to, to help connection. And then I would say the other main one is not making the time for it and not making the investment. And this is a tough one. Cause like, I get it. And I struggle with in my, I struggle with this in my own partnerships too. It is a constant practice. Um, it is so easy to just do the habituation thing. Like we're tired after the end of a long day at work. And the last thing we want to do is be like, let's do a connection exercise. You know, um, I'm usually glad when I do it, but I think a lot of people that I see are like, Oh, we just don't have time. Or they don't do kind of some of the homework that I give to them or they don't take the time to get connected to themselves or take the time to figure out what they want and what they desire and what feels good. Um, but they're still wanting things to change, but they're not willing to put in the work. Um, and this is, I mean, I hate comparing it to like a job because I, I think it can be a really fun and exciting and rewarding job. Um, but if you're not treating it in that way of like making time and carving out effort and like investing in it emotionally, physically, energetically, and financially, some, you know, a lot of the times, um, it's not going to happen. Like, it's not going to happen. And there's so many excuses. And sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's like, there's real reasons to not work on that. But like, yeah, you, you have to commit to it. I, I want to speak to that because I'm usually, you know, like being in behavioral therapy, I'm, I'm kind of like the trainer for when they're not doing the exercises, you know, like instead of a physical trainer, I'm the behavioral, emotional soul trainer. And I think what happens in, you know, for, for what it's worth, there's this sort of overarching theme that we are meant to have a loyalty outside ourselves, whether that's to our partner or to society. Um, and we forget about the foundational purpose of being loyal to ourselves and what that actually means and the value in choosing to be loyal to ourselves and how we do that and how we support that. You know, I get a lot of, um, well, I can go out and buy, you know, a $300 pair of shoes, but, you know, buying a hundred dollar session or something like that. I don't know. It's like, how are you supporting that loyalty to yourself in the continuation of changing those behaviors? And I think once that, that clicks and people realize I like, you know, you got to get kind of like fucking Rocky on it. Like me, I'm going to do this for me, which is the us. And it's going to be great. And that's, that's when I see things begin to shift and a little bit more momentum picking up around the doing. Yeah, sometimes I'll like do literal calculations with people of like what they're spending on different things. And obviously, I'm not a financial counselor, but just to help them get an idea when they're like, oh, I can't afford this and I can't afford that. And I'm like, well, how much are you spending on this other thing? Or how much are you spending on cigarettes? Or how much are you spending on, I don't know, whatever else Starbucks. potentially <laughs> Starbucks? Yeah, is or isn't serving them. And I'm like, that's okay. If this thing is more of a priority for you, like it is not up to me to force you to believe that like sex and relationship is a priority. If it's not, it's not. But if it is, your behaviors are not matching 
exactly what you're saying is a priority. Exactly. Is your action creating meaning for this, what you want to see in your life? Is it support? Yeah. Absolutely. And I like it. It's sort of relationship maintenance, these kinds of things that we're talking about, these exercises, these connection games, these, you know, the work that you're putting in. It's like working out. You know, some people love it. Some people just eat, sleep and breathe doing that kind of personal Ugh. development work. <laughs> I wish I understood they, those people, eat, the, run, the breathe, daily like, runners who get yeah. up and, and run every day who are just like, this is so much fun. I fucking help hate, me understand you. Yeah, I hate working out with every cell in my body. Like nothing about it is appealing to me. <laughs> I don't like being sweaty. I don't like how much it hurts. I don't like I know people who are like, oh, my God, I love the pain. I just I eat the pain. I'm like, ah, no, <laughs> I but- wish that was my flavor of, of uh, masochism. It's not. I wish oh, my that God, was- you guys, it's me. I love it. <laughs> See? See, they exist. They're aliens like yeah. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa's an alien. Yeah. She was talking about being a human, but she's not. She's absolutely yeah. not. But, you know, that if you work out your body will benefit. You know that your stress levels will go down. You know that your your mood will improve. You know that, you know, your systems will work better. And so you- The longer do, term investment. It's a longer yeah. term investment. And so you do things to make it fun for yourself. You know that even just doing five minutes of it is better than doing than zero minutes of it. Even if you're doing it with a partner, like not your partner, you could do it with a friend. Like you and your best friend can practice conversations. God, my best friend Katie and I spend hours on FaceTime processing every aspect of my relationships, going through text message being like, should I have said it this way? What if I was like thinking about this instead? And oh, is this motivation what's getting in the way? Like work with a coach, do things that are gonna set you hire up. A hot, hire a hot trainer. Hire a hot trainer. No, do <laughs> Go not to hire a hot trainer. <laughs> why, wait, why not? <laughs> Can you imagine having a crush on your relationship coach? I live in fear of one of my clients like joining my oh, only fan. No, no, I didn't mean therapy coach. I meant like a trainer at the gym. Oh, yeah. My, my <laughs> first penetrative sexual experience was with my old trainer at the gym. So... <laughs> That's just my my advice. Oh my god, um, love that. Like, I mean, on your calendar, right? Like, you yeah, yeah. But Lisa, like, I think it's important what you were saying about the the stuckness too, and like what gets in the way of enacting. Like, any quick tips and tricks to like start shifting out of the like stuckness of not doing things because i do want to acknowledge that like there's a saying that i've said on the podcast before but it's it might be shit but at least it's warm <laughs> like we yeah. do get oh my stuck God. yeah it's yeah so it's, like it, it is a nervous system thing so if you're listening and you're like you're like oh it's not so easy just to like be like yes i'm going to do it right there's a lot in our nervous system yeah. that's like yeah. that's holding us so like anything that's helpful to actually make this shift to start prioritizing and like get it moving from someone who likes working out. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a working out, but also like everything, like the emotional, the behavioral workouts, these exercises I think are a thousand times harder than the actual physical exercise sometimes, which does raise endorphins. But wait, what was, I want to hear it again. What'd you say about the shit? Oh, it might be shit, but at least it's warm. <laughs> so oh it's my God. like, okay, yeah, I'm comfortable so here. I, I have a similar one. Anything more than nothing leads to something. So anything more than nothing will at least put you a tiny step in the right direction. The easiest way to trigger this sort of loyalty to yourself mechanism is 40 days. And I say, start out small. Make it almost like impossible to not achieve it 
um, depending on like whatever my clients need, if it's more self-esteem or calm or releasing anxiety, we'll match a breath and you only do it for a minute and a half, a minute and a half every day. And then you'll begin to see, like, I mean, there were times when I started some of my first like 40 day meditations or breath, literally a minute and a half. And I would wait because you're supposed to do it within the day. You only have one day to complete it that I would find myself like locked in a bathroom, like in a bar or club being like, nope, it's almost 12 o'clock. I'm going to do it. Like, you're not going to win. Like it's, it's me. I'm doing this for me. And it, I love the visual of you just like out at a party, like doing a one minute masturbation in the shitter. (laughs) Completely have done it. And it's like (laughs) you doing that. And when you hit that, that wall where you realize it's like 1158 and you have a minute to do it or to let yourself go, it's usually around like the 20th day too, which is absolutely hysterical because it's the halfway point. You're like madly, madly in love with yourself after. And it's just that, that little thing, but at 40 days, that's when the mind switches over. That's when the first like sort of little groove of a a new behavior is created. So there's 40 days or 120 days. And then, you know, there's all these different kinds of subsets, but make it easy. Like, I mean, I'm talking like if it's even just looking in the mirror and saying an intentional saying to yourself, whether it's an affirmation, I don't care what it is, but if you mark it for 40 days and kind of initiate this loyalty to yourself, it's life-changing. It, it really is. And then you can add something to it. Let's say you get through the the single saying every day of whatever that is, then you, know, you up it to maybe doing a minute and a half of breath work every day. The breath work is key. When you begin to change your breath, your whole life shifts energetically, personally, mentally, it's, I I can't recommend it enough. Like that's usually the first thing I give to everybody. Any, um, any breath we could even try practice right now in a, I know it's like not a quick thing, but no, no, um, there's tons of quick ones. No, no, no. Um, I need it. Give it to me. Hang on. (laughs) You want to see if you can see me? Cause you kind of need to see me. Can you see me now? Okay. Yeah, Yeah. So Sitali Pranayam is one that regulates hormones. It reduces anxiety. They give it to people while they're on panic attacks, even like strokes. It will stop them. Um, I'm not saying like, don't go to a doctor, obviously, but this, (laughs) like, if you're having a (laughs) go to the doctor, go to the hospital immediately, but maybe on the way, if you can remember it, and it kind of minimizes all these things. Um, So you're going to go through the, like, it's kind of, you know, like that. I don't know if you can see that or do that. So you roll your tongue. Yeah. And that's a, that's a genetic thing. So if you can't roll your tongue, you're just going to have a very like hard O, like you're sipping through a straw, but stick your tongue out as far as it will go. And you'll go. And then out through the nose. And then in through the tongue. And out through the nose. And your eyes are closed and you're focused on the third eye point, which is that little dot in between your eyebrows. And you're going as slow and as full as possible, bringing the air into the stomach, up into the thoracic cavity, up into the top of the head, and letting it shoot back down the spine as it exhales out through the nose. 
you'll begin to cool your body down, get a little heady. Y'all got to pay extra for this ASMR. Mm, I like that. Yeah. And then you just leave your eyes closed for a little bit and do the simple aspect of I can feel my hands. I can feel my legs. I can feel my feet. feel my ears. You want to tell like just small bits of gratitude. Like, thank you, feet, for letting me walk today. Thank you, hands, for letting me touch today. I mean, it's, it's massive and it's literally one minute, one and a half minutes a day. I mean, how often do we scroll, you know? Mm. Mm, a lot, too much. Too are, there much. Any, are there any ways that we can honor? Um, I find that some people are, well, pushed back against this practice for, for certain reasons. But like, um, I think one, and just acknowledging that we are like three white women, um, I think a lot of people push back sometimes because they're like, oh, it's appropriation of Eastern stuff. And so how do we kind of honor the roots while also integrating the benefit in an honoring way to us and to the like originating culture of some of these breath practices and other things? I think education. I think education and commitment. Um, for me, uh, I know over time, you know, I've, I've studied it for about 25 years now, a bunch of different practices, but there's yeah. so much crossover amongst these practices and there's not um, a lot of ownership, you know, like it's very much worship the water, not the pipe. You know, it's, mm. it's not about the guru. It's not about the teacher. It's about the use of the practice helping humanity. And that's kind of the general, um, overarching theme Teaching. with things like breath. Breath mm. goes across so many different cultures, so many different practices. Um, yeah. but when you choose to use it, be educated as to who you learn from and, and why they chose to use that breath. So to me, it's mm -hmm. education, education, uh, yeah. thank you honoring that inconsistency, you know? So before we wrap up, I think we've been talking about a lot of the, like, I don't want to say the, the difficult parts, but like the things that sort of, you know, can get in the way or the, the need for the practice, um, where does pleasure come in whether that's in the practice or like getting to that place like why do we do these things and how does it help increase our pleasure potential i mean i'm a hedonist so pleasure is very much my religion <laughs> it's key yeah <laughs> that is you know go pleasure or go home is is kind of how i feel especially with, with partner interactions like you know, it can't all be sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be conflict. But like, for the most part, like this needs to be adding pleasure to my life, not subtracting pleasure from my life. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's work to get to the pleasure. For sure. For sure. And, and that is worth work. It is work worth doing. Yes. Yes. That's how we want to say it. Um, <laughs> practice makes pleasure. Practice makes pleasure. Just like our, our subtitle says. So I think it is prioritizing pleasure. I think it's looking for small opportunities for pleasure that will build into larger opportunities for pleasure over the day or over time and yeah. expanding your definition of what pleasure can come from. 
Um, one of my favorite mm -hmm. books is Barb Corellis's book, Ecstasy is Necessary. And she has pages and pages and pages of pleasurable activities from listening to uh, live music, to creating art, to baking or cooking, to doing service, playing with animals, not sexually, obviously, but um, <laughs> just to be clear, uh, but, but creating space for pleasure does not have to be purely sexual. It can be, and that's awesome, but eroticism is really only one component of pleasure overall. And so mm -hmm. being willing to get curious and playful in different ways of bringing in pleasure for yourself and between you and your partner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Lisa? Anything you would add to that? I don't know. I think he said it really well. I, I like this he idea did. of having a menu of pleasurable choices. I, I really think that's essential because you you kind of need that direction sometimes to understand that pleasure is not only related to sexuality. And I think finally yeah. reaching a point in society where we're removing it from that kind of very minimal context mm -hmm. and applying it, which I, I think helps kind of the repression around sexuality as well. Like sex is, is the same as, I don't know why I want to go back to the animals, but like petting a puppy, you know, mm -hmm. like pleasure is pleasure and we're deserving of all of it. And we get to define what that is in our experience with it. Yeah. I'm just looking it up right now because I I love the that quote by um by Audrey Lord um, uses of the erotic as power is like a something that she wrote um, and she just talks a lot about how pleasure kind of fits into the the broader culture and how things like self care and pleasure especially for marginalized groups of folks or melanated voices is like an act of like resistance. Um, and sort of a reclaiming of, of being um, worth that space and, and not waiting for, yeah, not waiting for a time of like, oh, now I'm all healed, so now I can have pleasure versus like utilizing pleasure as a way of healing. And so I always really kind of like resonate with, with that um, and, and really shifting our brain chemistry through like doing something each morning, even if it's that really small thing that Lisa was talking about that is like prioritizing our pleasure. So even if it's just that minute or 30 seconds of like before you pick up your phone, and I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of not doing this, um, but it's a practice, but like, you know, not picking up your phone, not checking your emails immediately, but like doing something that has no goal just for pleasure uh, before you do anything else in the day. That could be like putting on your favorite song and rolling around in bed or like savoring the coffee that you made for just that extra 30 seconds or a minute, um, but something that's like with the intention of just for pleasure. Um, and I think that's key to, to kind of starting this. And I think that'll help you get connected to yourself and, and to others. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have to all be work. It's, it's supposed to be fun too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think this idea of suffering as a form of value is, is gone or it's leaving, mm -hmm. you know, this idea yeah. that I have to overcome or suffer in some way in order for it to be validated or valuable to my experience is not a necessity anymore. Yeah. Oh, well, this was lovely. Um, I feel more connected. 
<laughs> in this moment. Um, anything y'all would like to add about uh, connection and pleasure or our upcoming retreat before we wrap up? Come to the yeah. retreat and you'll learn so much more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come get connected with us. Come practice. Come practice. It always helps practicing with, with other people. It does make it easier. Yeah, and like I know things are hard right now and it's hard to kind of commit to a pleasure practice, whether that's like financially or just all the things going on in the world. It's a lot of people's kind of like last thoughts right now. So our intention with this and with this episode was just to really like acknowledge some of those barriers, but also maybe help bring you back to yourself a little bit. So thank you, Ashley and Lisa, for coming on. And how can folks um, find you and follow your work and what you're doing, um, Ashley, and then Lisa? Yes. You can find me on my website, canasexual.com, which is very much the portal to all of my other projects. I'm on Instagram, at canasexual, on Twitter, at thecanasexual. And I have some exciting retreats coming up as well, including mm -hmm. one in Hawaii. So definitely uh, get at me if you are curious to learn more. Yes. Awesome. I um, am on Instagram at geniuslosi1. So spelled genius, L-O-C-I. O-N-E. Um, same thing for the website, geniuslosi.one. Um, that's where you can find different offerings. There's more digital offerings going up as well. Um, a lot of online workshops. And then as I travel, I post where the workshops are going. Right now, I'm in Chicago and we're doing a couple out here over the next month. Um, and then I'll be back with you, lovelies, end of September. Well, thanks so much. And thanks listeners for tuning in. Again, if you want to follow what I'm doing, I'm on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, uh, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars. Uh, sometimes I try my hand at TikTok, but usually not very much. So you can find me there if you'd like. <laughs> Otherwise, you can listen wherever you get your podcasts or at slutsandscholars.com. Uh, please don't forget to rate and review. It's really helpful. And check out those advertiser discounts because the more you support them, the more you support the podcast. Thank you so much. Good.